0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Filmcast, a podcast about movies. I'm David Chen, and I want to introduce you to the first rule of government spending. Why have one Skybeam when you can have two for twice the price? Joining me today is Davinder Hardwar. I was promised
1: beasts. We're the beasts.
0: <laughs> and Jeff Kanata.
2: The only good thing about continuing to review Transformers movies is that I get to do my Optimus Prime impression. <laughs> Autobots, roll out! Mm, that's not bad, Jeff. Pretty that's good. Yeah. Bad. It's very Thank you. very
1: smooth, Thank very you. gravelly. Yeah. 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 Optimus is smooth jazz singer.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Uh well, those are of course all vague and oblique
0: references to the fact that today on the podcast we're going to be reviewing Transformers Rise of the Beasts. And I'm just going to say I'm really glad we reviewed this movie this week, guys, because there is some stuff I'm excited to discuss with you. So, uh, okay.
2: Transformers is it How the Beasts are rising? <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's part of it.
2: Or they part rise and disappear. Mm-hmm. Can we, Can a very we put long a moratorium on the rise of, please, across <laughs> as all a, media? As a movie title, as an anything title, as a, mm-hmm. no, let's not rise anything else anymore. I'm going to cancel you know?
1: my Rise of Jeff Kinney biography. though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the, <laughs> you, you asked for it, Jeff.
2: <laughs> That's <laughs> just a misnomer. I haven't risen.
1: <laughs>
0: what are, what are some Rise
1: of movies?
2: Right? Rise, like, of rise of Tomb pla- Raider. Rise of the Rise of, the of the Tomb Apes.
0: Raider. Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Dark Knight Rises you know yeah yeah uh, those, those are skywalker
2: those yeah, aren't rise of skywalker uh, uh, rise of skywalker yeah too I many risings these
0: rising stop there have been a significant number of bad risings i, I would like that. some I'll
2: unleavened that. movies please
0: <laughs> you can find more episodes of this podcast at the filmcast.com email us at slash filmcast at com. find us on youtube instagram and twitter at the filmcast pod hit us up on tiktok at the filmcast we are or uh we we are uh uploading new videos each week. Uh, so be sure to check us out there. And of course you can support us at patreoncom slash where you can pay for ad free episodes as well as exclusive after Darks. Last week, I thought we had a really fun after Dark where Davindra Hardware shared his impressions of using the vision pro. He was one of the first people on the planet to use that device. And it's just, a, it was a real treat, real treat to hear your it, talk about it. Uh, so you can listen to those episodes at patreon.com slash film podcast. We also post short little clips from the After Dark at youtube.com slash at the filmcast pod. Uh, not the full thing. You can only get that on the Patreon. But if you want a little little taste, be sure to follow us up on YouTube, youtube.com slash at the filmcast pod. Today on the podcast, we got a, a few film news follow ups uh, for you before we get to what we'll be watching weekly plugs and then of course our featured review of transformers so let's get into it folks last week on the podcast we reviewed uh spider-man into the uh, across the spider-verse i should say and there's a few follow-ups from that conversation that i wanted to mention first of all uh got this very nice comment from uh enrique at our patreon page patreon.com slash film podcast uh Great movie, great discussion, great guest. Dan Kvazan does such a great job of gushing about stuff and nerding out while he still leaves room for fair critique and discussion. As an aside, you guys are getting Joaquin Dos Santos's name wrong. He's Portuguese, so you actually sound out the J like you would ah. in a name like Jack or John instead of the Spanish pronunciation with a silent J, so Joaquin. So thanks for that uh, correction. Really appreciate that, Enrique, at patreon.com slash Podcast, We appreciate all our patrons keeping us honest
1: i I should i should have figured that out because i i used to have a lot of friends uh gramp named joao Mm. so the portuguese spanish like uh, flip is very very confusing Mm, yeah
0: yeah all right jeff b writes into patreon.com slash film podcast again this is about our across the spider verse conversation uh jeff b writes quote i don't think jeff Kanata's experience with the audio during across the spider verse was unique audio in my usually excellent IMAX theater was also not great, especially during Gwen's opening. And in general, I feel like the audio wasn't as dynamic as the visuals, which may have been on purpose, question mark, end quote. Anyway, Jeff then linked to this article. There's a lot of talk this last week about spider verse audio. And I guess I wanted to just check, double check. Did, like, did you guys did, see the the update to all this? Yeah, by yeah, the way? yeah, yeah, there, yeah. There there is no, but before
1: we get to that, I, I'm curious, uh-huh. Davindra, Like, did you notice any audio issues no, in no, your no. theater? Yeah, I, I saw the Regal Rpx screen, which is their sort of like not not as good as Limax or or Atmos, uh, but it was good and the sound was fine. I didn't notice anything, and I was upfront like as usual, and I did not notice any weirdness. But I have heard from multiple people that it was kind of odd. When I was watching the opening scene. Which, extremely minor spoilers, features a character
0: playing drums while narrating something. Uh, I was like, oh, if this was a little, if if the dialogue was a little bit quieter, I might have some problems understanding what was going on here. But, uh, but yeah, it was on the edge for me, and overall, it wasn't a problem. However, a lot of people did experience issues, and so a couple of things have happened since then. Uh, I want to say uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller started telling projectionists to crank up the audio. On the screening. Like, they are like, say, physically turn up the dial so that it is louder. Just,
2: just by driving batteries. around to theaters, yeah. talking to projectionists, like, hey, pal, listen, hey, I, I only got a couple minutes here. I got, like, 50 more theaters to visit today, but can you crank up the audio, please?
1: I just <laughs> want to shout for my theater to get louder. I would love that. Yeah, so Lord confirmed
0: that the Spider-Verse team mixed the movie at a volume reference level of seven. Uh, Lord wrote, I heard several theaters this weekend at seven. And they sounded great. All dialogue clear, it's a, an, end quote. So yeah. they, they were handing out cards to Projectionist saying, hey, you got you to gotta crank up the
2: volume to seven. Now- I think we should recommend, folks, when you're purchasing a ticket, ask the employee, <laughs> is your volume level set to seven? Mm-hmm. and if yeah. they don't have a sufficient answer for you just go <laughs> yeah. to a different theater I, I
1: love this this is in my back pocket of like clueless theater managers i can really like go at them now yeah. yeah i couldn't i couldn't love it
0: barely get them to turn off the house lights in my screening <laughs> oh my you god know, they're, they're, i've they're had, totally had that problem gonna, they're totally gonna be okay turning it up to seven up
1: I, I think that was one thing my thing was super loud because rpx has like these uh, they also have like this the seats that rumble you know when things go boom but also they play it really really loud and i think that was key for me yeah
0: so anyway, after this complaining, uh, apparently, uh, Sony Pictures has sent an updated version of the film to movie theaters.
2: So it's set to an eight. <laughs> this
0: this is the magic of uh, using digital, you know, uh, DCPs. As you can, yeah. uh, you can correct movies.
1: They hit the they normalize the, button, right? Hit the yeah.
0: normalize button, sent out of theaters, which is. On the one hand, it's like wow, we live in an age of wonders, and that's magic. On the other hand, it's like they couldn't have done this before they uh, shipped the movie in the first
1: place. Well, the thing is, they're probably testing it on like world class theaters, right? And Mm -hmm. in the real world, our theaters are garbage. So (laughs) you really got to test your movies in garbage theaters, you know? Like that—that's really what it is. Absolutely, watch it on a phone, on a smartphone,
0: (laughs) and can you still hear Spider Gwen's narration? And if so, you're good to go. I mean, such uh, a bummer.
2: It's uh, this movie has audio is such a big part of across mm-hmm. the spider-verse it's yeah. such a bummer
1: it's uh i mean is it is it the movie's fault or is it the theater's fault for not like hitting a volume that they expect mm. like that is my question yeah there. yeah
2: do we have to pick I one
1: i mean right. i don't know it sounded great in a very loud theater but not all theaters pump up enough yeah this their solution by the way also presupposes that there is a projectionist you can tell this information to because we we just saw the news this week that Alamo yeah. is apparently give, getting rid of individual projectionist positions. Yeah. And it's going to be like one person managing all the screens like a multiplex. So.
2: One uh, one Lord projectionist who is yeah. supposedly going to be able to watch every. No, nah, it's just all going to be garbage, as as has happened with every mo- multiplex where a movie will start. I remember when I worked in the movie theater, we had to watch like the first couple of minutes mm-hmm. of the movie, not the trailers, the movie. The movie, yeah. Every time but we the, turned it on to make sure, and we manually turned them on. Yeah. We yeah. had to make sure that that wasn't going to be a, a film wrap, that wasn't going to have any problem with the actual film going through key the- Key word
1: there is film, right? Like, so yeah. it should be better if it's all digital, but Alum and other places also still project film occasionally. So I, yeah. I imagine this will be very bad for
2: them. And we had to make sure that the audio and visuals mm-hmm. were all right. Every, you know, there's no, no care there. It doesn't mm-hmm. seem like there's any attention to quality assurance. It's, it's a, such a bummer.
0: Devendra is referring to the fact that the New York City Alamo Drafthouse Cinema, uh, their projectionists wanted to unionize. And so as a result, uh, they said that they were going to do away with the projectionist position and replace it with a technical engineer role. That is the new,
1: no more projectionist, just a technical engineer. Technical yeah. engineers uh, can't unionize. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course not. Especially- <laughs> it's going to be one person per <laughs> theater. So, yeah, they can't talk to each other, you know. Uh, anyway huge bummer there but uh huge remember and also very disappointing for alamo as a company any company yeah. that does this this is a clear anti-union move so mm-hmm. this should is should be illegal or at least more legal than it is right now we'd rather pass along the
2: discomfort yeah. to the end user 100
1: mm-hmm. 100 100%, 100%. so
0: anyway uh sorry if you had a bad sound experience at across the spider verse but apparently if you go this weekend you might get a different mix of the movie which is kind of like a different like watching i wish i could do that a different time so yeah i'm i'm planning to go take my brother uh for father's day he wants that's his gift he wants to go see a movie um and so i'm I'm probably going to go again and i will report back if the sound uh, experience is significantly different
2: isn't the it just shows you how the bar is so much lower for fathers absolutely
0: just literally (laughs) let
2: me watch a movie that's all
0: mother's day jeff like (laughs) we literally convened the entire family, like every yes. extended family, everyone in one location, <laughs> big brunch, everything. Father's Day, it's like, I'm going to go see Spider-Verse with my brother. That's, I this would is like how it should be. Two, <laughs> this is how it should be.
2: Two yeah. uninterrupted hours. Yes, that's absolutely. That's <laughs> all I ask for. That's all, all it. I asked for. That's
0: it. Yep. So uh, one other thing I wanted to mention, which is uh, just a quick check-in on the summer movie wager. Uh, Not good, guys. Not
2: good for us. (laughs)
0: Across the Spider-Verse dropped around 54% in its second weekend to make $55 million, taking its domestic total to $225 million. That is excellent. Yeah, And uh, it could make up to $350 million domestic, which would, if it did that, make Uh it the number one movie of the summer of 2023 at this point. Now, still a lot of summer left to go. Still got still time for Guardians. Still got to, Oppenheimer, to still residuals. got Barbie, still got uh Rated
1: R. Arp- Oppenheimer, by the way. Three hour long. Rated <laughs> R. Oppenheimer? No, sir.
0: Yeah. Not gonna well, be here. I, I yeah. have a follow-up on that, but but point yeah. being, um uh Spider like Peter Surratta putting Spider Verse at number two is yeah. seeming increasingly like
2: a prescient yeah. Yeah. choice. Very smart. I,
1: I was tempted to put it at number one because I, I was iffy on guardians, to be honest. So
2: who knows? Well, not iffy enough to actually do not it. Iffy.
0: Yeah. On that note, uh, you know, it also looks like at this point, uh, Barbie is tracking to open at around double what Oppenheimer Ugh. is going to open with, which mistakes means,
2: were made. Mistakes uh, were made. Which means that
0: anyone who put Oppenheimer above Barbie, which is most of the people on the wager, I think, yeah, uh, it's not going to go well. So. Uh, as usual, the, the summer movie wager is a great demonstration of how none of us knows anything and we shouldn't be, we are completely
1: unqualified for our jobs. So, uh, yeah,
0: <laughs> at least good, we good times. remind By the way, most people of us annually.
1: <laughs> most of us put Barbie above Oppenheimer oh, okay. just in different places. Uh, different, I did. Got it. Got it. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, I was, that was mostly a comment for Jeff Canada. So. yeah, I'm an idiot. That's my bad. That's my bad. Oh man. Um,
1: uh <laughs> i'm looking yeah, at jess that, now that's oh, gonna oh be buddy pretty,
0: that's gonna be pretty decisive for jeff i think but <laughs> oh, anyway yes. um okay there's one la- speaking of oppenheimer there's one last thing that i think is actually worth discussing which is according to puck news matt bellany has posted a new report saying uh tom cruise is pretty pissed about the fact that mission impossible is going to lose its imax theaters to chris nolan's oppenheimer
1: Maybe Mission: Impossible blown up a bomb, you know.
0: <laughs> Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 opens on July 12th and will be on most IMAX screens. However, 9 days later, <laughs> uh, Nolan's Oppenheimer movie is going to open and apparently will have
1: all IMAX screens for 3 weeks. Yeah. Wow. He, they didn't which, see this coming? <laughs> it's Christopher well, Nolan. When they we knew that movie was coming for that date, right? So many contradictory feelings about this, right? Because on the one hand,
0: I am like Christopher Nolan is a has an amazing relationship with IMAX. He has IMAX
1: daddy. He has
0: done more than any other individual on Earth to advance the cause of IMAX screens. He's single
1: handedly keeping that company afloat. So yeah, he
0: has he has tested the boundaries of the format in ways that are exciting and interesting. Uh, and so, of course, the IMAX would be like, okay, Chris, you want all the screens for three weeks? Yes, you, you can have them. Meanwhile, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning was never like... it. it that release date has been pushed back multiple times. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I can imagine a situation where they didn't anticipate that there's going to be another big movie that wanted some big... Uh, Literally you
1: know- the, the only movie you should worry about <laughs> if you're prioritizing IMAX. Where is Nolan? What's Nolan going to do? We mm-hmm. should not be anywhere near that. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. I, 100% I agree with you, Deirdre. So This man
1: can take a motorcycle off a mountain? <laughs> and can't like you know a judge where the release date is going to be for oppenheimer oh man so so on the one hand it's like yeah of course chris nolan has put in so much work mm-hmm.
0: of course he should get the screens on the other hand mission impossible dead reckoning almost certainly going to make more money than oppenheimer right like there's no almost no doubt about that and probably sure
1: would make more money on imax screens but it doesn't need the imax screens is that's the right thing.
0: oppenheimer yeah. is filmed you know yeah. On IMAX cameras, it will take full
1: advantage of the IMAX screens. Um, I can I, I can imagine Tom Cruise in this meeting, like really, it's the vibes of the last Succession meeting. I am I am the last Hollywood star. <laughs> <laughs> I need these screens. I, you know, Davendra, if I recall correctly,
0: Fallout did have some full IMAX yeah. sequences. Yeah, yeah, yeah yes, yeah. it did. So yeah. it wasn't it wasn't uh, but sure. it wasn't like completely filmed. Like my sense is, Oppenheimer will, will be like mostly.
2: Yeah, full yeah, frame. Well, there's going to be a lot right. of IMAX sec- sequences of Dead Reckoning. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not sequences. as many as not as many as Oppenheimer oh,
2: yeah.
1: Nolan is out there teasing like, yeah, we didn't use CG for this bomb, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> you guys figure out what we did there yeah. to make this happen. Here's yeah.
0: my question, and let's start with you, Jeff Canada, Right? Is you know. Uh, Drew McQueenie used to play this game called Movie God, where you'd you'd like wipe out a movie from from existence. Um, but let's do like a different like you let's do a different test here. You you can only watch either Mission Impossible Fallout. I'm sorry, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part One or Oppenheimer and IMAX, right? That's oh, it. Come on. That's your only choice, Man. one or the other. Which one would you choose, Jeff Kanata?
2: I think I would pick Oppenheimer for the IMAX. It does yes. feel like it's much more important uh, mm-hmm. to Nolan that this movie be in IMAX. However, I don't want to make that choice. Uh, I, <laughs> I definitely, I'm so grateful I saw Fallout in IMAX. Yes, because those sequences, I mean, that entire uh, helicopter, helicopter sequence at the yep. end is, is 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 it, you're just enveloped in it. It's amazing.
1: Uh Divina Hardware, if you had to choose, would you make a decision? I mean... Again, for Oppenheimer, but you're not playing full movie God rules, right? It's not like I can never see the
0: But I would If I had to choose, choose one for
1: IMAX, it would be Oppenheimer. But if I had to choose the movie I'm more excited for, it's it's totally Mission Impossible. Same. It's, come on. Yeah. Same. Uh,
0: yeah. You, I, I'm kind of in the same boat, but yeah. the, the thing, yeah, it's, I, I think Oppenheimer will take better advantage of the IMAX like, full frame format. By the way, of which there are only, I think, roughly 19 locations in yeah. the country. Where you can watch Oppenheimer in full IMAX.
1: Tickets are available now, by the way, and they are selling out. So th- there is one near me at the Mall of Georgia. I just need to like figure out how to get those tickets. Yeah,
0: yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to it. But I'm in the same boat as you guys. Like Oppenheimer will take better advantage of the IMAX, but Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One is going to be probably a more fun film, <laughs> a more action-packed film. So yeah, I think it's more you know. a
2: sure thing that I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah, than, uh, Oppenheimer, which you know I'm more curious about but it also feels like it could really be a movie that, you know, there's been a few Nolan movies that didn't actually feel like home runs to me personally. So, who knows?
0: Apparently, a uh, single print for Oppenheimer in IMAX is 11 miles long and weighs roughly 600 pounds, by the way. So, uh, wow. they, they are projecting Oppenheimer with, in film, and it's going to look amazing. Uh, I am planning to see it at the Pacific Science Center in Seattle, Washington, one of the few... Uh, full IMAX screens left in the country, uh, and I'm really excited about it. But yeah, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, man. Uh, I can't believe we're just like six weeks, or not even six weeks, like a month away from Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, a movie I've been waiting for for many, many years. So a lot of exciting times right now at the theaters. All right, that's a few pieces of film news. Let's take a quick break. For a sponsor, we'll be right back with more and what we'll be watching right after this.
2: This episode of the FilmCast is brought to you by BetterHelp. I wanna ask you a question right now about you, about how much you take care of you. If you're anything like me, you spend most of your week worrying about other people. I'm a dad, I'm a husband. I spend a lot of time during my week worrying about my family and caring for them and not really putting myself first, not really having the balance that I need in my life to worry about my own needs, the things that are gonna be important for my wellness, my mental health. It is so easy to get caught up in what everybody else needs that you kind of put yourself last, that you never take a moment to think about what you need from yourself. Does that sound familiar? I bet it does. When we spend all our time giving to other people, it can leave us feeling stretched thin and maybe even burned out. (laughs) I know that certainly happens to me frequently. Therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life so that you can keep supporting others, which is very important. It is important to be that person in everyone else's life, but without leaving yourself behind. I can tell you therapy has helped me find that balance in my life, If you are thinking of giving therapy a try, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you do is you fill out a brief questionnaire and then you get matched with a licensed therapist. You can also switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash filmcast today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, betterhelp.com slash f-i-l-m-c-a-s-t. All
0: right, Devinder Hardaway, let's get to what we've been watching. Hit us up with something you have been watching this week, uh, I I
1: was I watched a movie that <laughs> literally doesn't exist that came and went from a notable director... I heard nothing about it. I may have seen a poster here or there, but uh, we've we moved on to this director's other movie, which is in theaters right now. But uh, on the plane, on the way to the Apple event, I saw Operation Fortune, Ruse de, de Guerre, and uh, this sure is a movie, right? Th- this sure is like, um, it feels like Guy Ritchie wanted to hang out with Jason Statham, and they were like, well, we, we, need, a, we need somebody to pay for this vacation. Right. We we need a studio to fund us going to Greece and uh, I think Spain, I think a bunch of different places that look beautiful. And uh, the the pitch is I'm just a very, very vain secret agent. Right. I want the best planes. I want the best stuff. That's that's it. I, I just want to live the good life. Let's make a movie about that. And they did. It's called Operation Fortune. Um, this is a perfect plane movie. Because it is entertaining enough to keep me interested as I was like freaking out about what I had to do for Apple and just gearing up for all that stuff mentally. Um, It has Jason Statham kicking butt. It has Guy Ritchie occasionally like um, waking up, you know, and doing cool stuff. I think there's an opening sequence of this, which is actually really cool. There's opening to somebody's footsteps, flashing back to an operation that recently happened. Um, But man, is this just a weirdly lazy movie coming from Guy Ritchie. Like, this feels like. He kind of wanted to do the the man from uncle thing again, except with that, with like a a minor percentage of the style and humor and energy that is in that movie and the cast, to be honest. Like I like Jason Statham. I like uh, Aubrey Plaza, but man, they were just asleep during this movie, but I saw it and I was like instant Dave Chen movie, to be honest. (laughs) So what did you think, Dave? So I also saw Operation Fortune Ruse de Guerre
0: uh, this week. My wife and I uh, almost watched this. You know, we were uh, we visited Dana Point recently mm-hmm. in California, and I remember walking to a local theater, and there was this movie called Operation Fortune in the
1: theater, and I was starring like, I, I, Hugh
0: Grant, and I was like, I've never heard of this movie. Yeah. like I and nothing. It's, a, it's it's getting a theatrical release this weekend. Anyway, Operation Fortune Ruse de is now on video on demand. And it was on sale this week for $10. Yeah. So I was like, you know, I've, I've had my eye on it because Guy Ritchie generally delivers a good time.
1: You know, sure. like... Uh, we can rely so, on him for good sits except yeah, for yeah, maybe exactly. Aladdin, you know? Yeah.
0: But this movie is pretty rough. And I, I I would say, like, there's a couple reasons why it's rough. First of all, I think everyone is really miscast in this film. Yes. Um, specifically, Jason Statham and Aubrey Plaza. I don't think they or uh, were sleepy or asleep as you as you describe it or i don't think they did a bad job but they just they don't fit these roles particularly well jason statham jason yeah. statham plays a secret agent that likes all the nice things so he, he likes is kind of like jet, an ultra you know? bo- like an ultra james bond basically jason statham is not that persona like and and <laughs> does nothing to modify the way he comes across Right to, right
1: to appear as though he is that kind of guy he is still movie. tough guy jason statham yes who who would rather have a pint than a fine glass it, it of it makes wine, absolutely you know? no sen- i'm no like sense. what is
0: why why are they having jason statham play this character aubrey plaza plays the person in the chair uh-huh and she's she's, fine. No, I, love she's like, I, love I love aubrey plaza she's good i love aubrey plaza she's she's awesome you know emily yeah. the criminal ingrid goes west like um, amazing actor but this is just not like her, like cracking wise, it's just not the kind of it's, role that uh, she plays.
1: Then, no, they put like a Parks and Rec, Aubrey Plaza character in here, but that is not the energy of this movie. Or at least, she is not like she's not like breaking out of the things she always does. Um, like I-, I loved Emily the Criminal. I also feel like I could see the limits of her capabilities in that well, movie. I- I- As good, I would say, yeah. I would say
0: most of the roles that she plays mm-hmm. are pretty low key, like Parks and Recreation, Ingrid Goes West emily the criminal these are like pretty low-key characters that have uh, you, you know there's not like super flashy they don't have like wo- catchy sure. one-liners but that is the character that she plays in this movie is like the character of like i bet you didn't see that coming you know like th- that kind of you know like oh you know it's time to you know glad
1: we have you yeah. on this mission you it know, like, was that not written of... to the level to match yes. that like her exactly. energy too That's like right. it, That's right. it's it's That's conflicting right. feelings all around there yeah So that's like the big issue
0: is like the the, two of the main leads are, I think very miscast again, no disrespect to the leads. I think they're enormously talented and love their work. It's just like, just not the right fit of energy for this movie. Uh, And then the plot is just the most rote, Mm -hmm. you know, this is we're going from step A to step B because the script is asking for it. Yeah. Um we
1: gotta get this thing, let's get let's get our major spy, just, just like it, it is kind of hilarious. Exposi-
0: like nonstop exposition of here's why we're going to here and here's why we're mm-hmm. going to here, and just uh so at the end of the day, it was not a good movie, in my opinion. Um I, I mean,
1: you could tell why they just didn't promote this movie. A like good they, time they was not had. pretended it didn't not yeah. Yeah. yeah So
0: I I if it's uh, free on a streaming service, I think it's you could do like if you're watching it on a plane, I think that's a great uh, use case for this movie. I would not spend any money on this movie. I don't think it's particularly I think fun. Th- there's
1: one thing I will point out here. Um Josh Hartnett is in this movie. Oh yes. That was I, great I did see. think to myself He was great. He was great. He was great. I, I do him. kind of miss yes. Josh Hartnett. Absolutely. And Absolutely. he is apparently uh, there there's an interview that went out recently. There we are amidst uh a heart knot. Is heart, not the sense? because Heart, he's, he's in Artisans. he's going to be <laughs> in black mirror he has mm. another movie coming up so we're going to see a lot more of him soon and he was like he had a good energy in this i feel like the spy role that is a very like a british uh, equivalent to chris pine maybe like somebody who can do the flashiness but also the spy stuff really well and uh, be more be more of a very uh, a vainer person than james bond or something or mm. somebody who just really enjoys their vacations i don't know that person's out there I would
0: say Operation Fortune, Ruse de Guerre is the Guy Ritchie equivalent of Red Notice. So if you liked Red Notice and, and the challenging script of that film, then I think you'll enjoy Operation Fortune. But it was, I did not enjoy it very much. Yeah. Uh, if you can watch it for free or on a plane, I think it's a fun time, but otherwise don't spend money on this. So Operation Fortune, Ruse de Guerre, a movie Devinder and I thought was okay at best. We, we watched it. <laughs> of all the movies I've watched, Of all the Guy Ritchie movies I've watched, this was one of them. So that's one thing DaVinci has been watching. I will talk about something I've been watching. I saw the Netflix documentary Arnold. Uh, This is a three-part documentary about the life of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Each part is about one hour long, and each part covers one phase of Arnold's career. So like, uh, there's the uh, bodybuilding, uh, movie actor, and then politician. Right? Those are the three kind of big phases. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger has led one of the most interesting lives in the history of mankind, I think, right? Like, he has achieved great fame and fortune in multiple industries. And he's just a really interesting dude. Which is why this documentary is such a massive bummer. Because uh, it is a huge missed opportunity, I think. Um, I mean, honestly, Arnold Schwarzenegger's just the movie career itself should be three four five parts long right like there's so many interesting stuff and it's they did the work they went out they interviewed linda hamilton they interviewed jamie lee curtis they interviewed james cameron i I don't think i'm exaggerating when i say the total amount of screen time of james cameron jamie lee curtis like all the literally all the actors he's ever acted with is probably less than eight minutes in this documentary maybe 10 minutes out of the three hours so it's like they did all this work. They got James Cameron to talk about Arnold Schwarzenegger. They're amazing. And there's very little of it in the movie. It's kind of just this broad overview of Arnold's life. If you have ever listened to a movie commentary on DVD with Arnold Schwarzenegger, which I have, mm-hmm. he spends a lot of his time describing what's happening on screen <laughs> <And> <laughs> as opposed to providing actual insight into what's going on. And yeah. unfortunately, That is kind of the tone of Arnold, the Netflix documentary. It's very much Arnold Schwarzenegger narrating his life in a very factual, almost Wikipedia esque basis with very little insight throughout the whole thing. There's a few things, there's a few pockets of insight, but in general, this does not go nearly deep enough for a a person whose life is as interesting as Arnold Schwarzenegger's. And the reason that's such a huge bummer is because I don't know that they're going to make another one of these. You know, like, I don't know that he's going to make another eight part documentary like you only get a few bites of the apple when you're documenting a life of someone like arnold schwarzenegger and this is just so surface level there's some good b-roll some good reenactments you know it's it's competently done it's not awful but it's just like if you are looking for like some real insight some real you know interesting revelations there's there's basically none of that in this document there's like you know handful three or four nice moments three or four nice quotes um i was very very disappointed in arnold and and wished it could be more if you are already like if you already follow arnold schwarzenegger's life um and you're already like pretty caught up with like what's going on in his personal life and all that in his career you're gonna find very little uh new in this documentary so that said if you're like hey i i barely know if you're like gen z or whatever you're like who is this guy arnold schwarzenegger uh, this will give you. This will give you a good like overview of his life, right? And so
1: maybe he did think uh, the kids these days yeah. they
0: don't know me. This is for the kids, and you know, yeah, uh, yeah. I I I wish it had more. Like it, a lot of it's just him narrating stuff that happened in his life, and and there's occasional moment of like I, you know insight and why he did something he did. The the one most interesting thing, I think. I, actually, let me bring up two, um, two things from the documentary I liked because uh, I've been pretty negative on it so far one of them is i i really appreciate arnold's attitude towards uh you know his his own life like when he has conquered one industry or peak as he just he describes it like climbing a mountain you know once he's conquered one like his attitude is not hey let's just sit here and celebrate for a little bit he's like he's looking for the next peak this is a guy who won Mr. Universe a couple times and won bodybuilding competitions and then became number one and was like, was at the top of his field and was like, yeah. uh, decided I, to himself, Hey, I'm, I'm done. I, I don't want to do need this more. I, yeah. yeah. Let's move on to a newer challenge, which in his case was acting. He said, you know, I want to be the biggest movie star in the world. And then he became it. And then he said to himself, you know what? Um, this is getting boring to me. Uh, let's move on to another thing. And then he did politics. Like that's a very admirable thing. And also, only mm-hmm. in America, you know, which is something that Arnold says many times during the course of the document.
1: If uh, so, if we yeah, if we didn't have rules against uh, foreign born people not being president, this man totally would try to run for president. Oh, totally. Yeah, you know? I think it's very, very that, possible that, that is that is his thing. There was a great interview about him actually recently. Dude just spends his mornings riding around L.A. and Santa Monica like every morning just flying through the streets. It's just kind of amazing. He's yeah, still out there doing it's that. Cool.
0: He's still out th- it's cool. Still, he's still out there. And um, he's you know acting in the new Netflix series, Foobar, if you want to see him in a recent thing. But uh, the other thing is, there is a very fun portion of the uh, documentary where they're talking about the Terminator. Uh, of course, the part with James Cameron is going to be the best. And uh, he was talking about the I'll be back scene. And originally in the script, it said, I'll come back. And it was Mm -hmm. supposed to be a nothing moment. It was supposed to be, you know, he goes into the police station in Terminator 1 and he's trying to find Sarah Connor. And then he says, I'll come back. And that was it. That was it. And uh, apparently they wanted to change it to sound more naturalistic. So uh, James Cameron said, make it. I'll be back. And then Arnold Schwarzenegger was like, I think you should make it. I will be back. (laughs) Because that's what a machine would say. And James Cameron said, "Uh, are you fucking writing this movie? Or am I the who, Who's <laughs> the writer here? Who's the, who's the, who's <laughs> the, writer? the fucking writer? Are you, are you the yeah. fucking writer or am I the fucking writer? You know? That's the balls <laughs> on James Cameron, by the way. To do that to a man
1: three times his size. Yeah, Amazing. Like four times his size. You know, like
0: he, he, James Cameron was a scrawny guy back then. And so anyway, uh and then of course I'll be back. And then like that became his, his signature line, one of the most <laughs> famous movie lines in all of history. And it just struck me that you know, these things that become part of our culture, they're often incidental accidents you know like of time and space like there's no reason it could have been he could have easily said i'll come back if like things were different on the set that day you know and instead it was i'll I'll be back and you know that's
1: when james cameron learned three words that's all you need to hook people three (laughs) words through all my movies
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah
1: i see you <laughs> I got, I got it,
0: So that was a nice moment, uh, and and kind of reinforced me. You know, the th- the things that become like a massive deal, or the moments that become a massive deal, are often just these little accidents or um, not planned. You know, things that didn't go according to plan. So, uh, so it wasn't like there's was nothing of value in this documentary. It just really was a massive missed opportunity, and kind of a bummer as a result. That's a shame. So, yeah, that's Arnold on Netflix. It's one thing I've been watching this week. Jeff Kanata, hit us up with something you've been watching.
2: Well, I checked out the first two episodes of the new Max series, HBO, uh, I don't know how to refer to it anymore.
1: It's HBO on Max. H- I HBO guess. on it Max? Is, yeah. No, no well, I think it's actually Max, the oh, one to watch for HBO. Devin-Gre. Yeah, yeah. Max, true. the one to watch for HBO. Well, when you go to Max, you have to look for HBO, is the thing. So. I hate all of this. Yeah. I hate it.
2: <laughs> anyway, it's a show called The Idol. And uh, this is a, uh, a show about uh, basically an analog to Britney Spears, uh, played by uh, Lily Rose Depp. Uh, and um, I will tell you about my experience watching this. I thought um, I, I put this on going, you know what? I want to check this out specifically to talk about it on the film cast, because I don't but, know if I would have. Uh, thanks for pop- that.
0: Thanks for that, Jeff. Appreciate that. Appreciate that.
2: Not for you. <laughs>
0: Okay, Jesus. <laughs> I appreciate you wanting well, to level the up, audience, for the up, listeners, level up the podcast. <laughs> yeah, okay, no, all I right. care about them. Okay, not okay. you. I was, anyway, I, mean, I was thanking you on behalf of the podcast.
2: Uh, you know, Do not speak? The... How dare you? <laughs> okay, all right, Jeff. <laughs> anyway, um, I uh, I I put this on. I, I probably wouldn't have checked it out uh, if I was looking for something to talk about on the show. And and this is you know this is kind of the new high profile. Uh big uh, expensive, gorgeous, you know, movie quality TV series for um uh, HBO Max. Max, Max, HBO. Anyway, um, so so I put it on, not really knowing what to expect, thinking, I don't know if I'm gonna really enjoy this. Kind of feels a little trashy, but the first uh, 20, 25 minutes of the first episode, which is an hour long, these are like full hour episodes, not you know, not yeah. 42 minutes. This is like full, like 58 minute episodes. And I would say almost the first half of the first episode takes place in real time Mm -hmm. and is, is one sequence. We're kind of dropped into the world of this pop star as she is kind of, um, you know, having this big day where uh, she's doing a photo shoot. She's rehearsing the dance moves for her upcoming tour. Her team is there and her team played by uh, some fantastic actors, Jane Addams, who I love in everything. She pops up all the time. Is so different in so many roles, and she's awesome here as this sort of uh, ball busting, <laughs> take no prisoners, but also has no f- human emotion. Uh, type of uh, media. We,
0: we should say the show is incredibly unclear about what any of these people do. I would say.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, Hank Azaria plays her manager. He yeah. says that outright. But she has hangers on. She has she has these people in her life. Eli Roth actually plays. Uh, the head of Live Nation, uh, you know, the, setting up her tour, and uh, Divine is there as some sort of person in her entourage. I mean, these are <laughs> cool yeah. actors. I really like, um, um, oh, what's her name? Um, the her assistant, um, oh, God, what's that actress's name? She's awesome. She's in oh, Bodies, uh, Body. Rachel, Rachel Sennett, I think. You're yes, thinking. she's awesome. I, yes, Rachel Sennett. She is. Um. She in Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. I loved her. She was in um, Shiva Baby, Shiva Baby, Shiva Baby. Yeah. So, so great. I. She's. I think she's a rising star. One. One actor. I love seeing popping up and everything. Anyway, that first sequence, that first half an hour, where you see the machinations of what you know the the, the machinery of pop starhood, uh, pop stardom. Uh, and how they're manipulating her, and kind of using her, and exploiting her, and then the scandal kind of breaks, and it's, you know, it's very, it's very lewd, it's very, you know, very adult, like the the show, there's a lot of nudity right away, it's very um, in your face, but man, I was in for that first, I was like, this is really cool, this is a, a really interesting send-up of that phenomenon, of, of it's kind of looking at fame in a very critical eye, and showing you you know, how prickly and, and uh, just sort of (laughs) uh, inhuman the machinery of fame is. And, and I'm like, you know, it's, it's, it's skewering it, but also doing it at the same time, you know, it is a little exploitive as a, as a thing, this Mm -hmm. show, but also it's kind of, that's the point. And I'm kind of into it. I'm like, wow, I think I'm liking this. A lot more than I anticipated liking it, and then <laughs> the weekend shows up. <laughs>
1: Sorry, he's going by his real name
2: now. So. Yeah. Uh, and I think the weekend is perfectly serviceable in this part. It's I'm not judging his performance. Mm-hmm. I am judging the role of Tedros that the weekend is playing and its function in this narrative because. The show becomes about Jocelyn, who is the, our pop star, our sort of Britney Spears-like young phenom who started out with a wholesome career is, and is reinventing herself as being more sexy and adult. And then she bumps up against this, this DJ, Tedros, and he starts interacting with her. And the show just completely nosedives, in my mm-hmm, opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is garbage. It's garbage, <laughs> uh, in my opinion. Um, it, <laughs> I feel like every interaction between the two of them is icky and gross, but that's okay. Like, if that was the point, and I think the show thinks it is. The show thinks it's really being bold with how their interactions are so creepy, but like, that, oh, so provocative, and no. It's all on the nose. It's all garbage, and it's it's titillating and and it it's doing the thing it is doing the thing that the rest of the show is arguing isn't very good for society mm-hmm. in my opinion mm-hmm. i feel like it is such a shame because the whole this whole really interesting setup gets hijacked by this tawdry soap opera thing that has very little relevant it bears very little relationship to reality in my opinion and it just it it's so up its own ass and dumb and like look how sexy and bold and and daring we are and it's like okay i'll give this a second episode so hopefully it can pull itself back from the brink no nope, no nope. even worse did you see the second episode too dave
0: i haven't seen it yet
2: don't <laughs>
0: but i will t- i will say that my opinion differs from jeff in that, I thought the first half of the first episode was also unwatchable. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean uh, Jeff, you haven't seen any of Euphoria, right? I have but, not. I mean, I not. Euphoria season one, I thought is like legitimately really compelling television. Yeah, some of Div- the
1: best TV ever made, to be yeah,
0: honest. Davinder and I did a, uh, a After Dark review of Euphoria season two. I was much more down on season two. And Davindra liked it, but it, mm-hmm. it is one of the most popular shows in HBO's history. Uh, and this feels like it can like, it feels like Sam Levinson who created Euphoria and also is a showrunner for the idol, which by the way had an extremely troubled history. I don't know if you read that Rolling Stone piece, Jeff. That's the whole thing. He uh, also
1: wrote and directed M- Malcolm and Marie, which we reviewed. That's so. right. Yeah. That's right.
0: Yeah. But um, uh, yeah, the idol was, I think Amy Simms originally, uh, did a bunch of work on the yes. show and yeah. then yeah. it was re- like really, you know, Amy Simon very talented, uh, creator r- writer, director, and, uh, w- was going to like offer this kind of what seemed to be partly what the first part of the first episode was offering, like this kind of, um, journey through the life of a pop star in America, contemporary American society, right? Like, like, and all the terrible things that come with it. And like that, that would have been an, it's an interesting idea, um, but things got sidetracked and, you know, many tens of millions of dollars were spent on the show that never made it onto the onto screen in the final effort. Um, they brought in Sam Levinson to basically take over and redo a bunch of the show. And this is what we have as a result. Uh, I think it's pretty rough. Uh, and I don't know if I have that much more to add to Jeff's critique other than I think a lot of people will just find the show to be kind of boring. Like, I, I don't even know mm. that it's as
2: interesting as Jeff is describing, you know. Um, I don't know. I thought that first bit had some promise. And I I thought there was like some actual humor. And um, I thought it was it was biting in its depiction of the the sort of callousness and cravenness of of people who cling to fame. Not even not even the famous person, but the the hangers on the people who, you know, I thought I love Jane Addams character. I thought she's, uh, you know, it's these These people who, who lack any kind of morality and just are there to, to strip the money from the, the artist and in doing so strip away their humanity and their you know, sanity and it, it it I thought there was something there. There was like a a promise in that early stuff and in kind of what you were talking about, which is sounds like what the show originally wanted to be, which was yeah. this look at how fame is debilitating and mm-hmm. sort of unsustainable to the human psyche on a certain level, once you reach reach that kind of grand level of fame. But man, does the show just completely get sidetracked by this garbage plot. Gar it's so garbage. And let me tell you, David, the second episode makes the first episode look like succession.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So, pretty rough. Uh, I, I think it's safe to skip this one, but I, I know there's a lot of people that are kind of morbidly curious about it. I know I, mean, I think Devendra falls into that category. Yeah, you know? I, I got to see it. Like, yeah, I, I think, like, yeah.
1: Sam Levinson. Um, Perhaps like the ultimate Nepo baby, right? The uh, son of Barry Levinson. I think a lot of people uh, rolled their eyes when he started getting into directing and writing stuff, but he, uh, he did that movie assassination nation, which is, which was very good. I really liked Euphoria season one. So I, I got to give it a shot, but yeah. man, nothing about this sounds good.
2: Yep. I will tell you though, Devinder, we had that talk not too long ago about uh, sort mm-hmm. of the lack of sexy and the lack of sex in, in, in media and American media in the last you know decade uh, this show definitely wants to be sexy yeah. and I well, think that, that's it That's what will Euphoria titillate. does too, yeah. so I'm not yeah. surprised. Euphoria yeah. has
0: a lot of that too, and and often to like, often to an objectionable degree. Um, yeah. If you read reports show, about, yeah. the,
2: the beginning of it, I'm like, oh, uh, you know, it, it, it's kind of making a comment on that and then not too long into it, it you, becomes you go, it, it, it becomes, becomes it very, yeah. much, it becomes yeah. the worst excesses of it and, and yeah. almost, it's, it's cringeworthy, I think. There's yeah. not a phrase I like using, but this one applies.
0: Well, that is The Idol. It's on Max, the one to watch for HBO right now. Uh, That's one thing Jeff and I have been watching, and we don't recommend it. Let's take a break for another sponsor. We'll be back with more what we've been watching
2: right after this. Let me tell you about our sponsor, Double Fine, and Double Fine's incredible docu-series, Psych Odyssey. Wow, this show is awesome. If you're like me and you love great behind-the-scenes nitty-gritty how stuff is made, how great art comes together, how a team of people have to leverage all of their skills, have to endure hardship, have to go through the tough things to make great art, you're gonna love this. And if you're like me and you love video games, in particular, great video games, in particular, Psychonauts 2, Double Fine's original, incredibly fun, hilarious, action-adventure game. This is an in-depth look at what it took to make Psychonauts 2. Tim Schafer, one of the most charismatic and funny and fun and smartest people in video games, is at the heart of this. But the the entire culture, the entire company of Double Fine is on display. It's warts and all what it took to make Psychonauts 2 Come to Life. This is an incredible documentary series. And you don't have to take my word for it. Listen to Danny O'Dyer from Noclip who says, it's a dream come true, holy hell. Yeah, a dream come true. Uh, MinMax called it the greatest game development documentary ever made. And you know what? I'll second that. If you're not watching Psych Odyssey, you're missing out on one of the coolest, most fascinating, most honest looks at game design Available anywhere, and you can watch the entire series for free with no ads right now in 4K with real captions made by a human by going to doublefine.com/slash/filmcast to start your Psych Odyssey. Go to doublefine.com/slash/filmcast now to start your Psych Odyssey.
1: Devendra, hit us up with something else you've been watching. So on my flight back from Apple, I was like, I need, I need another movie. I need to decompress. And I checked out this movie that has been recommended quite a bit. Uh, it's called Linoleum. It stars Jim Gaffigan. It's directed by Colin West. It's about a children's science show host who finds himself at a sort of midlife crisis. His wife is pretty much getting ready to to divorce him. His wife, played by Rhea Seahorn, by the way, who is very good here. But also is once again sort of like the exasperated uh, partner to a guy who's just trying to figure himself out. And uh, this movie is ultimately like this guy dealing with all these problems and very surreal things start happening around him. Um, A car falls out of the sky right next to him. And this is in the trailer. There is a person in the car that looks exactly like him. It's a character also played by Jim Gaffigan. And... Eventually, we, we you know, we come to learn that this person is sort of like invading his life and his space a little. And Jim Gaffigan's character, like the, the sad sack character we introduced to, he has a main, like his goal in life is to uh, is to just build a rocket. And that's what we spend the rest of the movie doing. It is a quiet and sweet movie and kind of funny. And, you know, it is very much an indie comedy slash dramedy type of thing. Um, but I don't feel like it really Lifted off to be honest like I don't feel like it did anything more than uh put Jim Gaffigan in one of these roles of a guy trying to find himself in life and people around him just like not fully understanding what he's doing and I would have liked to see Rhea Seahorn I don't know maybe a little more active in a movie like this because it feels like a lot of what we saw her doing in Better Call Saul as well but there's a lot of like great visual uh inventiveness in this movie and it's you know it's funny enough I think it's a good sit and if you like Jim Gaffigan I think you'll probably enjoy it too. So that's a Linoleum. It's on streaming right now.
0: It is the Operation Fortune Ruse de Guerre of middle aged
1: uh, drama. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I think it, it has more to offer, but not like I don't think it really breaks out from this mold.
0: Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's
1: available on video on demand.
0: The movie's title is Linoleum, and Devendra kind of enjoyed it. I want to talk about a documentary series I watched called Shiny Happy People. This is on Amazon. And according to Amazon's charts, it has, for a lot of the last week, been the number one streamed title on Amazon Prime Video. Shiny Happy People is a documentary about uh, this group called the IBLP, the Institute in Basic Life Principles. uh, And specifically about the Duggar family, uh, you know, who subscribe to their beliefs. Are you guys familiar with the the Duggars?
2: Unfortunately. Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. (laughs)
0: So the Duggar family was part of a TLC American television series called 19 Kids and Counting, uh, where it's uh, about this family that had 19 kids, and it's like, hey, let's watch this family and and see how they manage this wild situation. The Duggar family uh, subscribed to the IBLP's principles, uh, I guess the IBLP's, IBLP's beliefs, Uh, And that includes the belief that you should have as many children as uh, you are physically capable of having. uh, And a few more after that. (laughs) And a few more because that is what God desires. Like, children are a blessing from God uh, and also a way to communicate the word of God and his blessings to the rest of the world. So it makes sense to have as many of them as possible. And when you dive into the beliefs of uh, IBLP, as the documentary makes clear it's It's basically a really good way to run a cult uh like a small cult that also happens to be your family, you know like it's a, it's especially attractive for toxic dudes who are like i've I've always wanted to run a cult where like everyone listens to me and does what I say uh-huh. uh, and uh where like I have like dominance over this entire household and blah 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 blah. So it's like uh the rules of the IBLP f- feed right into that. And as a result, you can imagine a lot of abuse and terrible things come out of it. And that's most of what Shiny Happy People is trying to explain. Is like, hey, um, 19 kids and counting, it sounds like a really potentially wild, madcap situation, zany, uh, but a lot of terrible things happened in the household. And uh, that's what this this documentary gets at. And what's wild is that... A lot of these things were concealed from the public. Like a, a lot of mm-hmm. these beliefs and how toxic they were weren't made super clear to the public. But also that you know our American media had a huge role in getting this out into the world, right? Like that w- the Duggar family 19 kids account that was one of the biggest shows on TLC um, made a big splash and like was probably single handedly responsible for many people learning about IBLP and um and subscribing to their beliefs as a result and it's just wild to me that like you know um the media kind of abetted things in this way i know the media is not great you know american media has a lot of terrible things about it but um something this brazen still surprises me on occasion so i think if you've ever been interested in people like the duggar family or all those shows on tlc where they have massive families and you're like i wonder how that works well, sometimes it can work just fine, but a lot of times there's something darker and sinister there, and that's what this documentary series goes into. So, Shiny Happy People, it's a four-part documentary. Each part is about an hour long, uh, and it's an upsetting watch. It's an upsetting watch because you understand how widespread this is. Like, There's many people that aren't just the Duggar family that, that do this or subscribe to these beliefs, and um, yeah, it, it is deeply upsetting.
2: Well, so, at least there aren't any innocent children caught up in the mix. hmm
0: Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. So, anyway, uh, it will. You know, if you if you want to be really disturbed and upset, then "Shiny Happy People" on Prime Video is a thing you should watch. So that's my my weekly Dave Chen recommendation. Your upset of the week, (laughs)
2: Dave's (laughs) upset of the week. Mm Hmm. mm Hmm. (laughs) Jeff (laughs) Kanata, you're guaranteed to be bummed out.
0: (laughs) Jeff Kanata, your uh next next topic on what you've been watching
2: well i have something positive uh something that i <laughs> genuinely loved and that delighted me and made me laugh a lot and it is a new stand-up special
0: it's called shiny happy people
2: <laughs> <laughs> it just highlights my beliefs uh, in a way that i don't think i've ever been shown before Uh no, it's a new stand-up <laughs> special uh from Sarah Silverman, uh who I adore and has been uh knocking stand-up out of the park for decades now. Uh and uh she's got a new stand-up special called Someone You Love. Uh highest possible recommendation if you enjoy stand-up comedy, uh especially stand-up comedy that actually has uh, a bit of a bite to it, has a point, has uh she is remarkable in that and it is on display in this special over and over again she crafts jokes that are incredibly smart incredibly funny have a point of view that uh you know is challenging and uh, uh you know maybe not comfortable for for a lot of people and then the joke itself is so funny and then it'll. she'll recontextualize the joke she's already said a few minutes later into something where you go, oh, brilliant, amazing. Like she'll twist her own joke, come back to her own premise, change it up and recontextualize it and realize, oh, that joke was just a setup for this. But it lived on its own. It stood on its own. It was funny in and of itself. And yet here we are now back where it feels like that was just a setup to do this and it, it she's just brilliant it's brilliant there are a number of really wonderful sequences um I, that i've related to my wife a bunch of times and she's like i gotta watch this for myself um yeah high, highest possible recommendation i am a connoisseur of great stand-up comedy and i would put this up there with uh you know with my favorite specials it's great it's called sarah silverman someone you love
0: and I believe this is available on Max, the one to watch for HBO, right?
2: I so believe it is on Max, the one to watch for HBO, yes.
0: Uh, very cool. Well, uh, I'm looking forward to checking that out. Big fan of Sarah Silverman here as well.
1: Devinder Hardwar, hit us up with something you've been watching. I've also got something on Max, the place to watch for HBO, but it's not an <laughs> HBO show. It's a, It's a Cartoon Network <laughs> show. It's a Cartoon Network show. It's called Unicorn Warriors Eternal. And the show kicks so much ass. It is uh, the new series by Gendi Tartakovsky, a creator I I have always loved, the creator of Dector's Laboratory and uh, Powerpuff Girls too, right? Yep. Um, or at least he was involved with that. Um, Samurai Jack, everything. He most recently did uh, like a dialogue-free show called Primal, which is very good. This series is, is fascinating because it is sort of like um, – it is – fantasy steampunk it is set in like a industrial uh revolution era london but there's steampunk technology around it is about a trio of warriors who are reincarnated over time to fight a great evil um it also looks incredible because it's taking influences from max fleischer cartoons so like you know the old superman stuff um osama tezuka specifically astro boy And, um, you know, and just classic Disney. So you have this like very, very high fantasy good versus evil battle, but also all the characters just look so distinct. And, um, the twist with the, with the reincarnation, whole setup this time, typically those warriors end up in adults who are trained for their, you know, their entire lives to fight evil. In th- this show, uh, as we're catching up with these folks, they're re- reincarnated in the bodies of teenagers who are not quite prepared for this. And, uh, you know, hilarity ensues. I think it's a lot of fun. It's really well written. It's also something, Gendy Tartakovsky, I've been reading about, like, ideas around this for practically 20 years. Like, he's had the idea for the series for so long. I'm just so happy to see this guy, um, you know, have a chance to actually get this thing out there because I'm a huge fan of his. Um, he did... Uh, those great series of uh, Star Wars Clone Wars cartoons, like after uh, Attack of the Clones, I believe, and they were just disappeared for a while. They only recently reemerged on Disney Plus. And I, I have a quote here, because he was talking about like one of his influences uh, was the funeral scene of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And, you know, he really liked it for being an emotional scene. And it kind of gets to something we've been talking about. So in this interview, he said, there's a dirty word in an- animation of being too cartoony. They say that you can't feel emotion if it looks too goofy and that's bullshit. And so that's what I really want to do is have this very cartoony thing, but the emotions are real and the drama really is a soap opera almost. It's so heightened. Um, I think that, it looks like a cartoon. It looks like the cartoons we grew up with and the classic stuff, but it is a big sweeping epic story with tons of world building. Jeff, I think you will eat this right up in terms of like just the fantasy, you know, story elements here. Um, it's very, very good. And I don't see too many people talking about it. So you can stream this now on max. Max. And this was also part of my journey because I was stuck in uh, frickin Salt Lake City for eight hours because of uh, all the flight issues that were happening over the last week. I think it all ended up being because of uh, the the wildfire smoke and everything. But yeah, I was able to sit in the airport, watch most of the show. It is excellent, and uh, I hope everybody checks it out. It's called Unicorn Warriors Eternal.
2: I can't wait to watch. This is the it's first really time good. hearing of it. I didn't it's even really, know of it. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: Speaking of uh, Warriors,
0: I'm curious, Davindra, are you excited for the return of Warrior Season 3 on... Max, the one to watch for HBO. I think, uh,
1: um, you know, I uh, I think I left somewhere in the middle of season two, but I do want to see that show come back. Like, I, I love me some good fights and Warrior yeah. was doing a great job for a while. That's yeah. a
0: show I've heard so many good things about. And it's just like at this point, it's about to enter season three. And I'm like, yeah. I really want to get into
1: it. But at least I just, watch the pilot. I, I just find watch 20 the pilot, you
0: the episodes, pilot. you know, intimidating, you know, to catch up to. You know, what I'm I, saying?
1: I love just watching the first episode or something. I think the pilot for Warrior really just like, you know, this is the show this is what the show is and i think it's worth just seeing like what they accomplished with that yeah
0: all right well uh i'm looking forward to it apparently it'll premiere season three later this month that's warrior um but you should also check out unicorn warriors eternal which is uh what davinder's been watching and that's going to bring us to the end of what we've been watching let's do a few weekly plugs folks Weekly Plugs, the part of the show each week where we plug something else we've been making. As we are recording this, a bunch of subreddits on Reddit have gone dark to protest some really dumbass decisions made by the leadership over at Reddit. Uh, I realize that a lot of social media companies these days are run by assholes. What? And uh, that's uh, kind of a bummer. Uh, So I wrote about that over at my free newsletter decoding everything you can check it out at decodingeverything.com headline uh, it sure would be great if our social media companies weren't all run by jerks <laughs> so that's something i have been working on divin your hardware hit us up with a
2: <laughs> some total of the, of the article <laughs>
1: Yep, <laughs> that's the whole thing that's, that's, that's pretty much it if you get into this business <laughs> yep, you're would, probably a garbage person it would be that's great the conclusion <laughs> here um, yeah i i spent the the time after apple reviewing apple So I also spent much of the weekend reviewing the new Mac Studio, which is super fast and really cool. And uh, I do want to say, I think my main takeaway from this thing is that uh, Apple also announced a new Mac Pro with the uh, M2 Ultra chip this year. It is very strange to me that this Mac Studio also has the same exact chip. It just doesn't have internal, you know, upgrading and very few people need that anymore. I think um, you, Dave, anybody like looking for big Mac power that wants to like produce video and do all sorts of like heavy duty stuff with your systems, get one of these Mac studios. You'll be happy for a very long time. Um, You can't even upgrade the Ram on the Mac pro because of the way the, uh, these chips work, everything has to be unified. So the case for the Mac pro is honestly a lot, a lot less strong than it used to be. That thing also costs $7,000. So yeah, I I was listening to the
0: accidental tech podcast, talk about it as well. Mm -hmm. The, uh, the new Mac pro. And it's just like, this can't have been what they imagined. There, there were rumors the, that there yeah. was going to be
1: an even more powerful chip in right, the Mac Pro. Right, exactly, exactly. Mac but Pro. it's like, yeah.
0: there is very little, there, there is a very weak case. Yeah. Uh, a, a weak case, not like, um, not like a physical case. I mean, like a weak argument, <laughs> argument. for yeah. getting the new Mac Pro. The, the Mac Studio looks amazing. I'm recording this podcast on a Mac Studio right now. Hey. Um, And so I, I'm a big fan of the Mac Studios. And it's like the Mac Pro, it, it can't run, you know... You can't plug GPUs into it, you know. It's like, what's the what's the point? You really? can so, plug some PCI cards into yeah. it,
1: and it's for people in production houses who need, like, um, I think there are Avid cards and right, different or, like, block or storage, things. you know, that yeah. kind of. Stuff.
0: So it's like, there's a few. It's so specialized now. So, so, anyway. so
1: and you can do with Thunderbolt and other ports. You can get really fast storage that's external now. So you yeah, know, yeah. I'm somebody who has built my computer since uh, since right before college. So. Even for me to say this all-in-one system is kind of just it. You just need this. is a very, um, yeah, it's a very strange thing for me to be saying it, but I think it's very good. So check out yeah. the new Mac Studio. I'm My understanding
2: is the, mm-hmm. the Macs are the one to watch for Apple. That's that's true. No?
0: <laughs> Jeff Kanata, hit us up with your weekly plug.
2: Hey, it's also uh, the craziest time of year for video games right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, e- E3 is dead. Long live E3. Uh, but that doesn't mean that it's not the uh, crazy E3 announcement season. Uh, we call it the summer of games over on my video game podcast DLC. We had Summer Games Fest. We had the new the uh, the big Xbox presentation, and we covered it in the latest episode of uh, DLC. We had the PC game show uh, today. As we record this, is uh, Ubisoft and Capcom. And so, if you go over to my uh, my podcast DLC. You'll hear us talk. We did two and a half hours on Xbox and uh, and the Summer Games Fest and the PC Game Show. We're going to release an ancillary episode tomorrow. Uh, I don't know when you're going to hear this, but it, it, the same week, we're releasing an ancillary episode about Ubisoft and Capcom. It's as much coverage as we can jam-pack in, uh, and it's fun. It's fun times. We had Anthony Taramina from Game Rant on. Uh, Lana Bashinsky's is going to join us for the second episode. So... Check it out if you're into video games. It's a pretty exciting time. I think there were some really, really cool announcements, a deep dive on Starfield that Xbox went into, and it just a lot of really fun uh, things to be excited about over the next, you know, uh, six to 18 months. And we talked about it on DLC. So check it out. If you like video games, it's, 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 it's my video game show.
0: I'm really excited about checking out the DLC podcast covering uh, all the all the video game stuff. It's, it's wild that Apple is just like, hey, we're going to drop this big announcement and then the week after, or not even the week after, like the same week, uh, the video game world has its biggest announcements as well. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Really no rest for people who cover both industries like Devendra, I'm sure. So. Listen,
1: Computex was like right before this too. and I barely, Normally, normally it's like you, you do Computex and then Apple has their thing and then you got to go to E3. So mm. like it never ends. Yeah. You know, maybe August is a break.
0: Indeed. Uh, well, of course, we want to plug the podcast, patreon.com slash podcast, where you can support the show and get ad-free episodes and exclusive darks like our conversation about Vision Pro last week. Um, and we got an afterdark about Asteroid City coming up uh, in a couple of weeks as well, so you can look forward to that. We never want anyone to donate if it in any way causes some financial hardship. Uh, But there's very easy ways to support us for free. Leave a star rating or a review for us on Apple Podcasts, or better yet, follow us on Instagram at instagram.com slash thefilmcastpod. Share one of our reels. We're posting multiple reels each week, and uh, it's a lot of fun stuff. And if you share a reel on your Insta story, it really helps to spread the word of the podcast. So we really appreciate anyone who does that as well. Let's take one last break for a sponsor. We'll be right back with more and our review right after this. All right, folks, let's get to our review of Transformers Rise of the Beasts.
2: For centuries, our kind has stayed hidden on Earth. But darkness has found us again. Prime. This is about the fate of all living things. Unicron is coming.
0: Back oh i thought we were boys welcome to the film cast review of transformers rise of the beasts i'm going to read the plot summary from imdb during the 90s a new faction of transformers the maximals joined the autobots as allies in the battle for earth end quote I'm David Chen here with Devinder Hardware and Jeff Kanata. Um, I do want to point out uh, my uh, my ankle is badly injured today, and so it's pr- it's propped up a little bit. So if I'm sitting further back or if I seem a little bit more lackadaisical than usual, it's not just because I don't care about
1: Devinder and Jeff's opinions. Yeah, it's you're because... You're in a lounge chair... You're just like ready to give up on this movie.
2: Dave uh, <laughs> twisted his ankle running out of the movie theater to tell everybody what he thought of it.
0: It's more of a, I'm, more, I'm in a rear window situation right, you know, right now where I'm sitting at home thinking about Transformers Rise of the Beast all day. Uh, but anyway, yes, uh, that's why I'm a little weird. Uh, l- my position is a little bit weird in the youtube.com slash at the filmcast pod review. Uh, but uh, Transformers, you know, I, I remember one of my favorite tweets that Devinder Hardwar ever Ever made was when he said Dave 10 is great, but the second favorite tweet, no, I'm just joking. My favorite tweet is when devinder Hardor tweeted, more like Transformers Age of, of Extinction of My Interest
2: in this franchise. <laughs> that was a pretty I went rough to movie. A Transformers yeah. movie, and I didn't even get to hang out with Paul Scheer what are we <laughs> even doing
0: it's so true it's so true we did do a review with paul Shear. that was a lot of fun but mm-hmm. um yeah so transformers rise of the beast it's worth pointing out this movie made a little over 60 million dollars this weekend putting it on track for other transformers movies like bumblebee and uh the last night in terms of domestic gross the movie's doing pretty well in china so there is some life left in this franchise yet but devinder hard i'm curious after a franchise that has squandered Virtually all of our goodwill because of endless movies that have been completely incoherent with nonstop violent action and just offensive robots, racist robots, racist robots and yeah. <laughs> invocations of the Romeo and Juliet rule for absolutely no reason whatsoever. Yeah.
1: What do you think of Transformers Rise of the Beast? Well, Dave, I was prepared to to hate this movie yes. and to hate this franchise because we have been subjected to so much like so much that even <laughs> michael bay himself like is disavowing the second movie what was that one called the one during the writer's strike where they basically just had no strip revenge Venge of the strip. fallen i think is that what, sure is that what it was? okay I'll, yeah. be- I'll believe that but yeah they, they just kind of made a movie and nothing <laughs> made any sense and even as we reviewed it i was like this is the downfall of cinema um i was pleasantly surprised that i didn't hate this movie I actually think there's there's a lot going for it. There's also a lot. I didn't realize um, going into this movie because I had just basically, I, I was, we were working with the belief that we were not going to review this movie, like yes. in general. You no
2: lobbied hard Please. for us not to, Devendra. Yeah, Devendra was, to was
1: on the forefront
0: of us not reviewing Transformers Rise I, I was
1: trying to save us. Um, but you know <laughs> what? There are a few interesting things here. I didn't know this was going to be a 90s period movie i didn't know this was going to be set in brooklyn i didn't even realize it was starring uh, anthony ramos who yeah. i really enjoy and everything so it has a, like a lot of good elements also dominique fishback is like a co-star here too and she was she was in that amazon show we were just talking about and uh, i think she's a really talented star um and also this thing is directed by stephen Capel jr he did creed 2 but he also directed that new transformers earth spark series i've been talking about that's the new cg one that's on paramount so i was like okay there's stuff happening here. I think the first half of this movie is actually fun and interesting and feels different and the action is clear and I can see what's happening and I love the music. I love the vibes of it. I love the sort of perspective of it because the Transformers movies have never done a good job of like highlighting, you know, other people other than like white dudes. Um there is a very good Marky Mark joke in this movie. Um there's a lot of like great um I think anti-cop symbolism that is just like it's kind of interesting like the perspective of this movie it has an actual perspective other than michael bay like you know shooting action figures at each other and then it has to turn into a a bigger a wider transformers movie and then it falls apart because you got to do this thing you got to do the big battle you got to have the big you know ray in the sky um i was disappointed in the second half but i was surprised by how much i dug the first one and how much i'd like to see um you know this creative team or at least Ray uh, Ray Cable Jr. and uh, you know and these stars, um, sorry Stephen Cable Jr. and these stars like kind of come back and do something here. Uh, ultimately, like this movie is not it's not for adults. You know Transformers are beyond adult comprehension. These are to- this was a show made to sell toys to children. That's what it is. And you're reminded but, of that. Specifically the word at maximal
2: the end. should tell you all you need to know in that regard. Everything.
1: <laughs> um, but th- there are things I think we get a we get a view of Unicron here. It was like, oh, that's kind of that's a cool image. It's kind of scary for a world where the MCU was too scary to give. They were too scared to do Galactus. So you know, we got Unicron. Um, there are things I liked. I didn't hate this movie, and that I think alone is an accomplishment. But I wish it didn't have to turn to such like a very stereotypical Transformers crap fest by the end.
0: Well, that was what always made those original Transformers movies by Michael Bay so weird because mm-hmm. they are based on this toy line, but they are. Most of them are two and a half hours long. So they're really, really long. Uh they have, in my opinion, PG thirteen bordering on rated R action. Uh just in terms of how violent and you know how many explosions there are. And they have just patently offensive and juvenile humor. So it just it just felt like this weird mix of elements mm-hmm. that for some reason. Led Michael Bay to spend, you know, a decade of his life. It was Michael Bay's
1: inner child, like, let loose on a movie franchise. And he could do whatever he wanted. It it was so
0: so weird. It it was like, we got an insight into his id via the Transformers series that just happened to be based on this toy line for kids. And it was like, Mm -hmm. but it could have been anything else. It could have been. You know, uh, uh, a movie series about extra fruit mix gum. You know, like I'm I'm putting it up to the screen. And, and, and if like, you think wow. it explodes,
2: just give him Thanks some of the it, it sponsorship. Could, extra fruit it, it, mix. It
0: could have been about Mentos. It could have been, you know, like and, and it could have been about anything. Um, and, and the transfer, like he didn't give a. Crap about Transformers. Other than that, they were like giant robots yeah. that could kill things. right And like I will that... also
1: say, I don't hate the entire franchise. I've gone to bat for the first movie. I think the first movie, first movie, is fun. still enjoyable. It's There's yeah. there are Wrong. Steven Spielberg's fingerprints in that movie. So Wrong. at the very least, no matter what you think of Michael Bay, Steven Spielberg had a creative like impact <laughs> on the first Transformers <laughs> movie. I think that was the first movie to be like, hey, you can make giant robots work alongside normal humans and make it look real. And as a fan of Gundam and as a fan of like Transformers when I was a kid. I've wanted to see that for a very long time. So I like the first Transformers. It just kind of all fell apart right after that. Jeff Kanata, your thoughts on Transformers Rise of the Beasts.
2: Well, Dave, I guess you could say my thoughts on Transformers Rise of the Beasts is best summed up in the form of a limerick. Hit us, Jeff. Just because this one is comparable to the earlier films, it seems bearable. But a stupid MacGuffin and beasts that they stuff in makes this Transformers sequel still terrible.
0: Wow. <laughs> stuff it. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. Nice stuff. Yeah, use. Very nice. That was very good. And I'm sorry you didn't like this, Jeff. What's your mm-hmm. reaction there? It is
2: less bad, <laughs> but not not bad. Right. <laughs> it, is. it is less bad. Yes, yeah. there's a Agreed. spectrum Certainly. of bad. I will. Yep. I will admit yep. there's a spectrum of bad, and this is on the less bad scale, especially compared. I didn't. I have never seen Bumblebee. I have not seen Bumblebee. Mm-hmm. People, tell see me, Bumblebee. Yeah. people tell me. People tell me it's actually pretty decent. I have, I have not seen, seen
0: Bumble- that. I, I have seen Bumblebee. It is a decent kind of yeah. coming of age with Transformers also, film. That's like clunk- a prequel to this one. Like this is yeah. a follow up to Bumblebee. Well, that's, clunk- yeah. Very clunkily referenced in this movie, by the way.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: Why is this movie set in 1994? Because the I music no bangs.
0: Idea. like that. It's great.
2: It I loved, sounds good. Yes, me, I let me, love the let me music. Tell you,
0: let, me tell you, mm-hmm. let me tell you why. I mean, I, I think there's many reasons to set this in 1994. But one big reason is it completely eliminates a lot of the baggage of the other Transformers movies. So yes. is this
2: a reboot? Yes. Is this a side boot? Is this supposed to have happened before the yes. first Transformers yes. movie? Uh, yeah, it's so, yes. To, yes, so, they So uh, they had this adventure, and then they fucked off, and then they can't, you know— Okay. Unclear,
0: unclear what happened between this and the first Transformers movie, but you know Well, I'm sure we have
2: multiple sequels to tell us One for each decade uh, Moving up toward it And then, um, they then they left the 2000s
1: they... one is just going to be <laughs>
2: <laughs> They're all going to be on Transformers cost
1: 9-11! Oh no! <laughs> they'll,
2: they'll be on those blue IMAX through the whole movie yeah, and be... yeah, yeah. Um, This movie is very bad I think <laughs> there are uh, glimmers of not bad in it, but not much One of them Is uh, uh, Anthony Ramos, who is should not be slumming it in this movie. He should not like. He should not have to steep so low as to be in this movie, because he's actually a really charismatic, great actor. He's a he's a young star, and every time we're on a close up on this guy, I like. I believe everything he's saying, even if it's the most schlocky Mm -hmm. stuff, and it often is in this movie.
1: The setup with him and his brother and his mom and everything, perfect. Is I, it? I really
2: dug it. I, I don't know. Yeah. I think everything in this movie is, if you told me this movie was written by an AI, I would believe you. <laughs> it, this movie is, everything is off the shelf. As I said in the limerick, th- there's a MacGuffin yeah. in this movie that couldn't be more MacGuffin. It's like, we need a thing. What's the thing? It doesn't matter what the thing is. We need we cut it. cut the thing and, in half, and now you're gonna get
1: two things. Just two things, but we it's need double things. the thing. Um, you thought yeah, you what, got the
2: thing? You didn't.
1: You need more thing, and it's like it funny, Jeff, even if this was written by AI, that would still put it above Transformers, the second one, it, Revenge of the Fallen, which was not true. even written. think
0: we yes. can write a better script than yeah. several then, of the Transformers. Than no
2: humans. Yeah, Then, yep. yeah, <laughs> then scab writers. <laughs> the. Like the the plot is so like it literally could be any Transformers movie. There's nothing about it that needs to be in 1994. There's nothing about it that is interesting or unique. You get these maximals, and I need a quick sidebar with you guys for a second. Quick sidebar, (laughs) just just quick sidebar. Uh uh Uh, Two things, two sidebars. Sidebar A, sidebar B. Sidebar I, A is... I am
0: not a crackpot, but... We're, we're in a, we <laughs> an have, extreme close-up now. We have,
2: <laughs> we have a, an ape yes. that turns into a robot, Yes, which makes no sense at all, because uh-huh. the, the, what's the functional difference there? Okay, that's sidebar A. It makes no sense. He's a anthropod that turns into a different anthropod? I don't understand. Second, much more important to me... And please help me understand. Robots. They are metal ape, metal bird, metal cheetah, I'm whatever it is. I'm with you. Ape has shoulder hair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What is that? It's If you look at it, it's not... It's different. There's like a shoulder pad. He's got metal and gears and his face is metal and gears and they move. And that's cool. We've established that metal in this world moves. It it reshapes itself like lips for some reason. That's cool. Okay. We've got many movies establishing that. And there's metal underpinnings, but he's got this shoulder pad that has hair on it. Mm-hmm. What did that come from? It's not robot hair. It's not metal. Mm. It's not pipes that look like hair. It's yeah. hair. Organic material over
1: a metal endoskeleton. But come what on, is Jeff? that? What is that? Come what on. does
2: that mean about transformers? What does that mean? Why do What's they
1: that? have organic We're, material? Why on do they them have now? animals that are like on Earth? That the Transformers cost life on
2: Earth? Well, okay, so That's another thing that why pisses me off. Why are there Earth-like animals? Well, yes, we yes, know yes. that yeah. from the cartoon. They've explained it, but the movies ignore that. The whole yeah. point is yeah. they're robots in disguise. They came here, and they needed to pretend to be things. But so, they're over
1: there as our things.
2: But not, in the, not in the cartoon. In the cartoon, they're over there as their yeah. own yeah, things, yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. they come here, and they scan our things to be robots in disguise on Earth. Yes, but the movies yes. care not about that <laughs> plot point, which is the fundamental idea of what these things are okay okay but this movie like literally you, you mad bro <laughs> yeah you mad that's my, this is sidebar sidebars that's not that's not even pertinent to my main point which is this <laughs> there's nothing that happens in this movie that is interesting at all at all <laughs> nothing is interesting there's a bunch of like famous people's voices that we all recognize that are making jokey jokes and that's i guess that's fun i guess it's fun to listen to pete, pete davidson. davidson is a robot yeah. you know? we, Michelle michelle yo we, we got it's to fun. hear
0: we got to hear academy award-winning actor michelle yo's voice come out of an eagle-shaped maximal named air <laughs> razor jeff canada I, I don't know and, what and more yes. you want out hey. of, i don't know what more you want out of cinema honestly i
2: I'm not exaggerating in that I, I had a moment of existential crisis in the middle of this movie.
1: When <laughs> this is I, the I, one. I said to myself,
2: yeah. I said to myself, I said, self, what are we doing? What are we doing? What are we? And I know, listen, I know I'm the poster child on the show for enthusiasm when it comes to Marvel movies. And there's not that far a distance between the infant, infantilization, what is the word I'm looking for? The infantizing, infantizing, what's the word I'm looking for? Infantilization, infantilization. Thank you, infantilization of America re-comic books and the infantilization of America re-toys in this case. But I did have that moment of like, what do we do? We're spending so, there's so much money on the screen here. What, to what, to talk about maximals? And I get it. (laughs) So other people have we're that breaking, reaction breaking, when they go. see, yeah. you know, Doctor Strange and Spider Man and whoever. I get it. Like it's the same. You know, there's of people. This was me during
1: Age of Extinction. Like I don't talking about dino dinosaur robots. Okay, sure. I, I yeah. just
2: like this movie is not as bad as the other ones. It's not like offensively bad. It's just bad. And it, there's nothing, there's nothing original in it. Nothing interesting. Everything plays out exactly as you expect it to. There, there's the only thing that is interesting about this movie is like the last two minutes. And you go, oh, well, okay, well, maybe that'll be interesting. But I, I will like,
1: say, um, I think there there are interesting elements to, especially for people of color, to have a person of color directing this, to have... Like the, the specter of racism is always there. Uh, somebody along the lines, like, uh, somebody is telling Anthony Ramos, like, I'm not going to let you, I'm not going to let somebody like you destroy something I built. And to me, that sounds like something all the shitty racist fans say to any person of color entering a franchise. Like all this stuff is very, very pointed. So I I, think that's fair. I just love that that. registered with me. I wish that, I wish that was better movie. I wish the movie movie had like addressed more of that, but that is more than nothing. You know, that's more than nothing that was in the other. OK, movie. so yeah,
2: fair, I won't dispute that. I will say I wish that was in a better movie. I wish that yeah, was I wrapped in a movie that cared enough to try literally anything. That's like literally the movie is about like we need a thing. Let's go get the thing and have battle like there's no there's no there's no there's not even well, there, a there's plot. also
1: we will talk about this maybe in spoilers, but there is a sort of like moral dilemma in this that does not exist in any of the others and that's the thing that will save the transformers will not save humanity Mm. or at least like the thing that could save humanity screws the transformers over and at least again, the movie doesn't have enough time to wrestle with that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. that is yeah. there. I agree. I agree. And it's
2: two hours plus running time. It doesn't have enough time to actually, yeah. it's it so basically, up like-
0: so basically it's approximately three hours shorter than most of the other Transformers. Version,
2: yeah. Right. <laughs> but it sets up, you're right. It sets up a moral quandary. It sets up our main character going, Hey, I'm going to do something that might not be good for everybody. And then it completely drops that thread hundred percent. Like there's nothing, there was no moment of decision for our main character to wrestle with that question. It's, it, it, I'm sorry. It's I did not care for mm-hmm. this movie. All
0: right. Well, I think a question that Jeff Jeff's review raises is: Is there a place in cinema uh, or in the multiplex for a movie that's about robots beating the crap out of each other uh, that's aimed at kids? Right. Like that's what this is. I think. And there's actually, honestly, very few movies. In the Transformers franchise that
1: fall into that category, I would argue. I Although think, the people think, do swear quite a lot in this movie, so yeah. yeah
0: but I mean, like the the uh, of all the Transformers movies that have been made, the only ones I'd feel comfortable showing my family mm-hmm. are the Bumblebee movie and this and movie the first movie, one. one. The I first wouldn't. One. I
2: don't know about. I wouldn't yeah. take my seven-year-old to this.
0: I mean, b- more so than the other Transformers movies.
2: Yeah. Well, you know? Again, <laughs> scale of bad. <laughs>
0: I think this movie is pretty solid, mindless entertainment. Um, and it's not as good as it could be. You know, they could have taken some interesting chances, but DaVinci brought up some great points. Uh, a significant part of this movie takes place in Peru for some reason. And sure. it seems to be... That must have been
1: a bitch to film, too. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah? I get to make a Transformers movie? We're going to the Peruvian, like, you know, all the all the ancient... Buildings and stuff. Oh, yeah!
0: Man. It uh, it looks pretty impressive, mm-hmm. you know. Like just yeah, and you can imagine like trying to film on location would have been challenging. But uh I think it's good, mindless fun. It's inoffensive, and also the ending, as Jeff canada alluded to, that we'll discuss momentarily, was very very exciting for me. But beyond that, <laughs> were you, uh, you were the one I'm person really in the theater who was like
1: clapping? Oh, yes! Literally, my it. literally They're my
0: wife. It. My wife and I were <laughs> screaming. Like literally screaming out loud. No
2: All the kids were looking yeah. at you. All the kids yeah, around yeah. you were like, what? Screaming. Um, like, I, mean, I don't wanna yeah. we, we gotta talk about that. We gotta table that and, and yeah. talk about it later. Yeah. But I, yeah. I will I will also uh, concede that I might be the the total uh, you know minority opinion on this one because mm-hmm. I had the misfortune of seeing this movie. At a uh, a radio screening, you know, oh, oftentimes boy. they'll they'll pair oh, uh-huh. they'll pair yeah. press screenings with a radio yeah. station, you know. Oh, I think we've talked about this before on mm-hmm, the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know who who goes to radio screenings. I don't know who's wor- listening the to worst. the radio. The and worst calling folks. It. Yeah, I mean, there was I, there was a baby crying throughout my entire screening. Um, yeah, but. There were people applauding at the end of this movie. So yeah. I, you know it's made for yeah. somebody. I this just, is what know. the people want. you know <laughs> if you 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 have the option, ladies and gentlemen, in this marketplace of ideas we live in, to go see across the spider verse. It's literally across the hallway from this movie, <laughs> in true. every multiplex. Why would you waste any of your time on this? You no know,
1: giant robots and across the Spider Verse. So. <laughs> well, <laughs> there there true. is one. there, well, there is saying, one. Yeah, that's
2: right. There, there, is, there one. is one.
1: Um, but I, I will also anything. say this: like, uh, I'm not going to put you on the spot here, Jeff. There is a bit of a generational gap here. And I grew up with Optimus Prime. I grew, I grew I oh, me too. Come when Optimus Prime died. But I was a child, Jeff. How old were you when Optimus <laughs> Prime
2: died? I listen. I <laughs> yeah loved the Transformers. You okay. can go back to old episodes of the Totally Rad Show. When they yeah, announced yeah, the Transformers yeah. movie, I couldn't have been more ecstatic. I was like, "This is going to be incredible! They're going to do a big budget Transformers movie." And then Michael Bray just took a crap all over it.
0: I just, I just can't imagine. Like, I, I'm, I, I literally like do this mental exercise, Jeff. Like, mm-hmm. if there had never been any Michael Bay movies. And this was the very first Transformers movie you watched. I gotta imagine Jeff Canato would be at least somewhat... Like, imagine yes. this movie no, from 15 years ago. Yeah. You would have lost your mind. I predict I, you would have lost your mind.
2: I think if this had been the only Transformers movie, I would have liked it a lot more. But, like, the spectacle of the big robots punching mm-hmm. each other... Mm-hmm. You've already seen it at
0: this point. Isn't, isn't, it, right! Yeah. There's
2: no... There's nothing exciting about that. And we have got slightly different big robots punching each other, okay. But... That's the thing that bothers me is like there's no take here. There's no other than, yes, I love the representation. I do. I like that we're seeing you know, the human characters that are a little more interesting, a little more diverse. Uh, uh, But, like, what they have to do isn't Uh, interesting. uh, Again, it's kind of the
0: same argument as with The Little Mermaid. I think there is a take. It's poorly done. I It's poorly done, Yeah. But I think there is a take, you know. And And the humans are also
1: I don't, we'll talk about this in spoilers, I don't exactly like where this movie goes, but at least the humans are more active than they were in the other Transformers movies, which was really just Shia LaBeouf running away from things. I think that I, I, I did interpret
0: this movie as kind of, hey, if we could start on a fresh page with yeah, Transformers. Yeah. Like, what yeah. would that look and feel like? And I'll say one last thing before we get to spoilers, which is, here's what I am bummed out about, is we have now had, I don't know, seven Transformers movies, and Optimus Prime has been kind of an asshole in most of those movies. Not a great kind of been, the sky. he's this kind guy. Of, he's yeah. either been an asshole yeah. or kind of like an emo, you know, dude just hanging out and spending time in his feelings, which... Uh, is kind of a bummer because you know I watched a lot of Transformers when I was a kid, and I remember Optimus Prime being kind of a noble, admirable character. And I feel like all these movies, this one included, have just taken that character and flushed it down the well, toilet. Well, and, and this one have.
1: technically will be before any growth that happened in the Michael Bay movies. No, so the, well, there's anti-growth in Michael Bay movies. He, yeah, like he yeah.
0: regresses. Um, but to its credit, one thing I do like about this one, this version of Optimus Prime, is he looks much more like the Optimus Prime from the cartoons, like. Oh, his his body yeah. looks like it it's could a, actually at least, be a truck.
2: Right. And the transformations aren't as yeah, chaotic elaborate. and jumbled yeah. as Michael Bay. They're still not great. It's still yeah. not what I was hoping for, which is right. like, you see the toy transform. Like, well, it's that's, like
0: there's a freaking, it, it, the Transformers were literally a child could manipulate it and make yeah. it into a, yeah. you know. And, I, I, yeah.
2: and that's cool. That's what's cool. That's what is cool about them is that one form transforms into another and there's a moment in this movie i don't think this is a spoiler but there's a moment in this movie when one character says what kind of car do you want me to be and it's like <laughs> it's like is that that's the logic of the transformers now is that they're just liquid metal and can do whatever they want all the time they want i yeah i like the yeah. one-to-one like i am this and yep. I transform into this, and you see how the parts move, and it's never been like that on the big
0: screen. I, I mean, I'm pretty sure we've discussed on the film cast before that the Transformers movies have very little respect for the laws of thermodynamics you know, and preservation. Preser- this house, we respect yeah. the laws of thermodynamics. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But in this podcast, we do that. Right. Okay, let's get to spoilers spoilers for transformers rise of the beast starting right now
2: i thought up an ending for my book it makes no damn sense
0: compels me though i didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end when i buy a new book i always read the last page first that way in case i die before i finish i know how it ends you
2: can't handle the truth inconceivable i came here
0: to tell you how it's going to begin all right so here's where i'm going to give jeff some credit about how bad this movie is but also how good it is. <laughs> there is a the uh, the MacGuffin in this movie, right? Is what is it called? Um, tr- the air, the trans warp key. The trans warp. Love
1: it, right? Love it. Yeah. Uh, Three words. And
0: and what is amazing Which... about <laughs> this movie is that there's a scene called the transwarp key, and there's a scene where the villain's henchman, hench person, <laughs> henchbot brings them. The transwarp key, and the villain says, "You fools! <laughs> this is only half of the key." <laughs>
2: and it's like what?
0: Sim- My other sim- thing that's sim- I love
2: about this is you have uh, you know <laughs> three story tall robots who work for a planet size or bigger than each planet size robot. Yeah, the key human size. <laughs> Why? Uh, I mean, Why know, would that to, be?
0: You have to admit though, Jeff the. Planet eating machine was kind of cool. I I, I thought it was a cool cool. design. Sure. Uh, Sure. As planet eating machines go, I think it's a cool design. But anyway. Great
1: voice work by Coleman Domingo, though, who has that voice of just like,
0: I gravel. It's wonderful. Also, terrible scene in the movie. Uh, At the very end, they're like, you know, everything's lost, guys. Like, there's no way. They're going to start Mm -hmm. the transwarp thing. They're going to eat the planets all over. And then he's like, wait a second. there's an access code that can stop it's like <laughs> why not freaking set that up Start, earlier in the movie Tell Start us the access code. It's literally just like two lines earlier in the film and then this all yeah. makes sense it's a, with a the human size tunnel right to it
2: yeah here's, yeah, right human, the the, here's another thing that, right <laughs> that could have been set up and could have been amazing yeah. yeah is you literally have our main character turn into a transformer with a transformer exosuit at the end this is an objectively cool idea That they completely bungle and make stupid because it's not set up; it's just completely arbitrary, and it's just mirage going. I want to be part of you, and he just does it. There's no. Well, they set it up with the arm thing, Jeff. They set it up with the arm (laughs) thing. Come on, that could have been the idea of making this whole movie about turning a human being Mm -hmm. to be able to stand toe to toe with a transformer. That. Is amazing. Yeah. And it should you have want been what the whole movie was
1: Like a, was about. Like, like yeah, a Mega should, Man game, you want them to get different parts throughout well, the movie. Well, there right, should have yeah. been something, you know, maybe there's, yeah, there's yeah, something
0: yeah. about Anthony Ramos, like his experiences have led him to the point where yes. he can now All my life. the tra- All I've his, always like,
2: wanted to be a robot. Yeah. No, just let me be a robot. Or something, you know, like some active some, thing that yeah. caused yeah, 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 that moment to be possible. Some. He was, un- he was he was a
0: dancer. He he you know he he was a he bouncer played with at, toys
2: as a kid that could transform from a robot into. He, he was uh,
0: a bouncer at a club, and that's
1: why he can punch using well, the prison army corps ones. engineer. So yeah. you know no, but, but, like, robot. but that's like ir- irrelevant or, to him. Or you know.
2: Something that happens to Mirage that allows him to like why? Well, it's Mirage is like we- death. Mirage is the, dying. But basically. it's the weirdest <laughs> moment. It's like yeah. I can do this. I can build myself around you. What? <laughs> Yeah,
0: there's no there's, no there's no setup for it. There's no setup. No setup whatsoever. It would have been nice like emotional climax of the movie if they would have been set up better, right? So, yes. Yeah. Um,
1: there there is one there's one good joke in this movie is like a, you don't want to know uh, where that part came from. Yeah, that's you one. know. Well, my um, favorite
2: my favorite yeah. joke in the whole movie is uh what, we're just friends now you are inside me. That, <laughs> yes. that was fun. Yep, yep. Okay. But again, not for so, kids. So, also, do, does any kid want to watch a movie set in 1994? That's like us going and seeing our favorite toy is. set in That's 1954. It, mm-hmm. it, it, it makes no sense. Anyway, go ahead. Right. Dave. I'm sorry.
0: So no worries. Um, well, first of all, you Jeff. you just
1: described Back to the Future. By the way, Jeff. So yeah. yeah. First of all, what you're forgetting. A little different.
0: What you're forgetting, <laughs> Jeff Kanata, is I don't know if you guys noticed, but like um, the uh, suit that Anthony Ramos's character wears mm. bears a striking resemblance to those suits in GI Joe: Rise to Cobra. Uh, yeah so okay. maybe I it's a setup that
1: didn't even clock with me is that true that's uh, thing I, I, I think
0: it looks kind of similar yeah no okay. now is it actually a setup who knows
1: but i, I thought wh- it was like oh man they just they want to iron man this up so here's Dude. squint and not this, iron man this is not iron man this <laughs> is just wearing a suit it's that a robot last suit.
2: scene to me yeah. reeks of reeks of we have no plan but let's dangle something out in the audience and see if yeah. anybody bites yeah
0: well, I mean, the very last was, scene. The very yeah. last scene is Anthony Ramos' character. He's he's interviewing for another job, and he meets with Doug Stamper from House of Cards. Yeah, and
2: uh, it's like Michael why is Doug Stamper Kelly. in this small little role? That just yeah. seems like a much too big, <laughs> that big yeah. of an actor.
1: Sit up, because Michael Kelly it's appears. Michael Kelly, Michael Kelly appears, and he like what's going down. Yes, and, something's gonna happen.
0: And uh, so then he he goes to his wall, and he like. T- tips this like plaque on the wall, and my wife noticed it says "Real American Hero" yeah. on mm-hmm. the wall. Oh, dude, mm-hmm. you and didn't
2: see this coming a mile away. I was like, "Why is the movie still on?" Oh, Hasbro yeah. Cinematic Universe, here we and come. And then he,
0: Anthony Ramos looks at the business card, and it says "GI Joe." Literally, my wife and I sh- shrieked. Yeah, like, movie oh my saved. god, oh movie my saved. god, you know, yeah. like, movie saved a Transformers GI Joe crossover, and and again, it's like, you know, Jeff, look. Maybe they're never going to make another one of these again, and this will be the last bit, right? But if this movie had come out
2: <istič Weber anime meme> yeah. instead
0: of the Michael Bay Transformers, movie, like I'm but rewinding that's not the my world life, we're Let living in David. <laughs> if it had come, like I would have been more excited about this than Nick Fury showing up at the end of Iron Man,
2: like, yeah, okay, this well, would have been you a bigger deal to me than that. What'd you say, Jeff? I said that's where you and I are different, but that's okay, <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> I, it's like, no, th- th- I agree. Th- th- that would have been an amazing thing. Like <laughs> if you could erase our, all our memories of all other Transformers movies and make this the only Transformers movie with and erase all the GI Joe movies that we made and
0: Well, I don't know about that. I like some of those movies, but yeah. No, nah, erase yeah. them. Erase, I, them, erase, I, them, erase I, them. I like <laughs> both of those. Movies.
2: I like both of those movies. <laughs> no, yeah. they're terrible. They're not. <laughs> they G- are. G- the, the, so, but then if you, this yeah. this movie leads into the first GI Joe movie, Right Or and a, prequel, the a prequel third movie, to the first one. Yeah. The third movie is the crossover movie. Oh, yeah. That would have been amazing. But that's Mind not blown. the world that happened, David. I feel like
0: I, I feel like the guy in a time travel I, uh, Well, actually, yeah. I'm not going to bring up which time travel movie. I, I feel like the guy in a time travel movie... That's like we can make it different, Jeff. Oh, I wish we can go back. We can go back and do it over again. We can do the the GI
2: Joe movie, and at the end, (laughs) Snake Eyes, you know, walks out. He just defeated Cobra. (laughs) Walks out, and a red semi truck pulls up to him. That's how you end that movie. Come on,
0: mind exploded. But this is this is as close as we can get. I mean, because Paramount effed up how they managed you know universe building for Transformers and and G.I. Yeah. Joe,
1: you know? I will say this is more effective than anything WB has done. Like in terms of like out there set up did not expect Absolutely. this at all. We thought the G.I. Joe movies were dead. It was like, "Oh, G.I. Joe with robots." Oh, okay. I see. Since you yes. have
0: since you have forced the topic, Jeff,
1: we need to <laughs> relitigate
0: G.I. Joe the G.I. Joe movies okay uh-huh. G.I. Joe Rise of the Cobra I initially wasn't that big of a fan it is by many people's estimation objectively a bad film mm-hmm. but it's a lot of fun baby <laughs> and and I mean just the scene with the super suits is like incredible and the super there's this extended sequence where uh I think it's um what's her name uh Lair cake woman um <laughs> Uh, Serena, what's her name? The woman from... Uh, Sienna Miller. Sienna, Miller. Sienna Miller. She's, she's, Is yep. she the bad guy? And She's the bad guy I in the rest right? Um,
2: no one cares.
0: Oh yeah, so she's, she's one of the bad... So it's this chase sequence with Sienna Miller and the people in the super suits, and then it culminates with them melting down the Eiffel Tower using a bioweapon, Jeff. Okay?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Incredible are you, sequence. Are you listening to yourself?
0: Yeah. G.I. Joe, I mean... G.I. Joe, <laughs> G.I. Joe Retaliation. Much more self-serious less goofy, but it has an awesome action scene with the uh,
1: snake guys. Okay. I and mean, also, at least we got the retaliation trailer out of all these And also,
0: G.I. Joe I'm Retaliation has literally one of my favorite trailers for an action movie of all yeah. time it's a great trailer um, Using the Seven Nation Army remix mm-hmm. So,
1: I rest my case <laughs> Do you? <laughs> so, therefore I want my GIOs and I want my robots hey, here's you know what I, I,
0: I'm saying I'm saying those are like I, I think those were like solid action films Yeah, it's or... also
1: been 10 years since GI Joe That's retaliation true. it is we are due for, for this franchise to cook up and it, I, I could just imagine imagine how much fun somebody would have making a transformers across gi joe movie.
2: I think right. that could be really cool. That. And honestly, yeah. I if I had the magic power uh to to define what the gi joe movie The problem with the gi joe cinematic uh representation, Universe? you know, this the cinematic version of the gi joe franchise is is that they didn't realize that they're just superheroes, right? They they need to have their own identities. They can't all be wearing the same clothes. They can they're not part of an army. They are, there's literally a guy named shipwreck who looks like he's a sailor. There's another dude. There's a guy named tunnel rat who looks like, like they're, they have to be costumed. Like the Avengers. They have to look completely yeah. different from each other and have their own unique. Iconography. That's what GI Joe is. It's superheroes military style. And I, if they do, a, the problem with the movies is they never got that. They, they yeah. only ever thought, oh, Storm Shadow and, and Snake Eyes are the only ones that have to look unique. No, wrong. They all should look unique. They are plucked out of their own little worlds and brought together to be a super team in the same way the Avengers are or the Justice League is. That's, the, that's G.I. Joe. Yeah. And there's
0: never been a movie like 2000's Brian Singer's X Men that brought a bunch of weird superheroes together and had them all dressed the same and was successful. Do right?
2: you think uh, if they made a v- that movie today, they would do that? They did that they, because they were more nobody ever done it. the other thing, <laughs> yeah. They They, they, they differentiated they had, after
1: X1. They didn't have the guts to not do it then. Okay, okay. okay. Then. okay. okay. I, I will true. say, That's of true. all the franchises I, The Rock <laughs> was in, I'm surprised he did not take the reins of G.I. Joe and be like, oh, this is mine now. Yeah. I'm going to like make run this franchise because uh, he was in the last one. So. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah, a lot yeah. of potential.
0: He could have easily changed the hierarchy of power in the Paramount yeah. universe. Um, <laughs> the Hasbro but, uh,
2: universe.
0: Jeff, can't you see that these summer movies are tearing us apart? This is, yeah. this is a dynamic no I do. I getting. see that. I do. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I'm excited about the possibility
1: of a Transformers
0: G.I. Joe crossover, okay? From the director of
1: Athena, G.I. Joe versus Transformers, yes. That would be incredible. Do you
2: you think versus, or do you think they need to team up against something?
1: They have to start out as antagonists, this is how all these stories work, and slowly, (laughs) slowly become friends and work together to fight a common ray in the sky.
2: Well, you want to know that you don't fight the ray in the sky. You fight Cobra teamed up with the Decepticons. Yes. That's, that's who we're what producing. By the way, Ray in the sky. This all happened <laughs> in comics. You know, you guys yeah, know that. Absolutely. There's, yes.
0: yeah, absolutely. there's the GI Joe many, Transformers. Many comic. crossovers. And now we're finally, maybe have a chance of seeing that live out in, in real life. But uh, What a time to be alive, fellas. Yeah. What, a time, what a time to be alive. I mean, I mean there've been so many kind of aborted universes, like the universal dark universe. Never never came to be. We had the Mummy yeah. movie and then never heard yeah. from it again. Um, DC has obviously been trying to start their own thing for like a decade and have kind of had limited success with that. Um, but yeah, a, a, transform- a Hasbro cinematic universe, now a possibility. Very
2: exciting. Thanks Jeff. to the last two minutes of this movie.
0: The inner <laughs> child in me is very excited about it. But you're right, the movie itself was not that Don't- great. It had
2: some problems. I just have, I have, I don't know why my instinct is so certain about this, but I I am, I am a hundred percent certain that there's like no active plans to do anything with those last two minutes. They just threw it in there to give you a, to give you the experience that you got, which is fine. That's totally fine. I have no, there's nothing wrong with giving the audience that feeling, but I don't, I do not believe they did that because they have grand plans.
0: Perhaps. Perhaps. But we'll see. I mean, I think there's probably a big wait-and-see component about wh- how well this yeah. movie will do. And it's doing decently. It's not, like, amazing, but it's doing decently. It'll probably have good worldwide numbers. So, mm-hmm. anyway. Anything else about Transformers Rise of the Beasts?
1: We didn't talk we at all about the Beasts, really. Like, barely. <laughs> we barely Because the Beasts are barely in this movie. What the hell are you doing, guys? They barely like, rose. They barely, barely rose in at all.
2: Man.
0: I'm just curious how how, like... Cybertronians are named. Like yeah, his yeah. name is Optimus Primus. Is there like, so there is a Primus Primal.
2: primal. Op- Optimus Primus primal. is
1: is the god, the creator yeah. god
2: of the There are different I primes for different armies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. it's like mm. it's like general or something. It's like yeah. uh, you're the mm-hmm. grand poobah But, but of, like
1: the whole thing with pr- Primus was like at the beginning of creation. Yeah. Primus is like a some sort of like a mortal being. I want to see Primus on the big screen. Come there's on. so also, much lore we're missing yeah, out. On yeah, in
2: these we worlds, established basically. we established that the the big bad guy, uh, Scourge or Skags or what is it, Scourge? Yeah. yeah, I think uh, he sure can mm-hmm. shoot gunkus on you and drive you insane. Yeah, but he only wants to use that once, and we never get. <laughs> there's never any follow up on any of that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like think he fully high. like
1: it's like he made contact but that person lived and everybody else he just like killed. I don't know. Yeah.
0: yeah. They did they did Michelle Yeoh's air Razor wrong. I agree. So, yeah, so well, wrong. they drove she him she was bonkers. the person in
1: the zombie movie who was like, "I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm going to hide it. I'll be good." <laughs> oh yeah, don't
0: worry about it. And Don't also, worry about yeah, it. they don't, they don't seem to understand like what that does to you. Like these are
1: supposed to be advanced cybertronians, guys. It's like It's so
2: stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so many half-assed ideas. It's mm-hmm. it's it's...
1: also dominique fishback deserves better but you know what i'm very glad she and anthony ramos are in this movie to make some bank hopefully, go they, got better ba- hopefully yes. they got their bag hopefully they got their
2: bag from this movie. I, yes. but i did love the moment there was one really cool effects sh- moment where he is inside mirage as mirage is transforming around him yeah, yeah that, was that was pretty
0: sick like reverse directions or something? yeah I think yeah it was a, oh, that was cool um, that chase was
2: fun the yeah.
0: uh but yeah, I I the thing that lingers about this movie is Optimus Prime is kind of an asshole. Like when he he like murders he he like he's always brutally murdering. His oh spouse. yeah, there's yeah. never any mercy shown towards them, right? No, and that happens in this movie too when he like puts the guy's head into the
1: lava, right? Like it's just like, yeah. dude, like I mean, how much mercy that guy <laughs> that not guy a nice, caused a lot of trouble. Not a nice man. No, but man you're definitely right, right Dave. Right it's, <laughs> it's a kids
2: movie. It's a kids
1: movie. I do. But I do love that Peter Cullen still has that voice. And when he gets mad, he gets mad. He feel it. He gets angry.
0: It's Autobots,
2: good. roll out! How it's dare you use say. my?
0: How dare you use my own words against me? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, at the end of the day, it is really impressive that Stephen Caple Jr. made a movie, and hopefully, there will be a follow up. <laughs> Alright folks, that's going to bring us to the end of this week's episode of The Filmcast. Find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at, slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Our theme song comes courtesy of Tim McEwen from The Midnight. Our spoiler bumper and weekly plugs music comes from Noah Ross. This episode was edited by me, David Chen, with video assistance provided by Kurt Mega and John Barry. The,
2: the worst thing the devil ever did was make Dave Chen hope for another Transformers movie.
0: Damn it! Clearly we are in the end of days. <laughs> Next week, it's going to be The Flash. It's going to be our main review for next week. Uh, and I do want to let people know, like The Flash and El- Elemental are both coming out the same week. People are probably going to be curious, like, are you going to review Elemental? Uh, we are going to review Elemental, but we don't want to do them both the same week. So we're going to do The Flash first and then Elemental the week afterwards. So you can look forward to that. Also, if you are a patron, our current plan is to get you our Flash review early this Friday. So you can look forward to our Flash review early. Assuming everything works out, um, no guarantees, but I think it's trending that way. Uh, And a huge thanks to all of our patrons at patreon.com slash filmpodcast for making this show possible. You get cool bonuses, ad-free episodes, exclusive After Darks, and every now and then the early episodes. So look forward to that. I'm really excited about this conversation, guys. I think uh, lots to discuss uh, with this Flash conversation. So look forward to that on next week's episode of the Filmcast. Until then, thanks for listening, and we'll see you later.